Welcome to the Near Jartuan Podcast. My name is Isaac Cammons. This is a bi-weekly podcast where my friend Jess O'Brien and I discuss internal martial arts, qigong, and meditation. Uh, this week we continue our discussion of the Yang family. Uh, we're now moving to the fourth generation of the Yang family, to Yang Shaojong. Uh, he was a uh, well-known Tai Chi practitioner in Hong Kong in the uh, 60s, 70s, and 80s. Um, so at first we do a little bio of him, and then we look at uh, Bruce Francis's description of attending his classes. Uh, after that, we turn our attention back to the Tai Chi Chuan Lun, uh, the second book of the Tai Chi Chuan classics. Uh, in this one, we discuss the concept of dividing into yin and yang, uh, which gets into a pretty detailed discussion about the... Um, nature of yin and yang in tai chi and you know separating and combining and these sorts of things just a reminder this is a shorter version of the episode if you want the longer extended version as well as a bonus episode uh, you can go to our patreon and sign up there so again thanks for listening uh, thanks for all your support uh, take care of yourselves and be well Today we're going to continue our look at the Yang family. And so we talked about the first couple generations. And then uh, the, the most recent generation, at least um, that we've talked about yet, um, the sons of Yang Chengfu. Yang Chengfu, he passed away in the 1930s, but he had a bunch of sons who went on to carry on doing Tai Chi. And one of them was Yang Xiaozhang. So let's begin with a little bit of a bio of Yang Xiaozhang from the Dragon Tai Chi website. So they start by saying that uh, Yang Xiaozhong was the last member of the Yang family to have inherited the family's secret teachings, to have undergone their training, and to have dedicated himself exclusively to the study of Tai Chi. Since him, no one in the Yang family has had access to the family's teaching in their entirety or committed him or herself exclusively to the martial art. This was partly due to Yang Chengfu and Yang Xiaohou's early death, and partly because other family members dedicated themselves mainly to other activities, so these guys make the case that Yang Xiaozhong is kind of like the lineage inheritor who has the secrets of the style. And everybody right. else was too busy with business to learn. He's the last true, like, full-time, right. you know, didn't do anything right. but that. Right. right. It's his full-time job. So it says he's born in 1920. He followed his father Yang Chengfu until his father's death in 1936. So that, that's when he's 16. His father passed away. At the age of 14, he was already assisting his father. And from then on, he continued to teach professionally until his own death in 1985 in Hong Kong, where he had moved in 1949 and founded his own school. So the, uh, this bio ends by saying, Yang Xiaozhong's Tai Chi differs substantially from the one practiced by others of his father's students. It includes a broader martial repertoire that is not contained in any of the most common schools of Tai Chi, different postural and structural approaches to the form, the tall, medium, and low and wide, medium and narrow, respectively. It has advanced Qigong, strengthening and conditioning techniques, and so on. Yang Xiaozhong and his disciples were not content to simply pass on the tradition. They wanted to enrich it and expand it based on their own experience and understanding. So, okay, let's uh, let's talk a little bit more about Yang Xiaozhong. I wanted to pull from Power of Internal Martial Arts and Qi by B.K. Francis. Um, so he describes, uh, he sort of, he describes the scene where Master Yang Xiaozhong was teaching in Hong Kong. So it sort of paints a picture of what it was like in Hong Kong in the 70s, which is pretty cool. 
1977, I was given a letter of introduction to Tai Chi master Yang Xiaojung, who did not accept students without a recommendation. Yang was the eldest son of Yang Chengfu, great-grandson of the original Yang Luchan. His school, located in his walk-up flat in the Wan Chai district of Hong Kong, was announced by a sign in beautiful Chinese calligraphy above the second-floor balcony. As in many of the older buildings in Hong Kong, the stairway was particularly dark. <laughs> so you can just picture walking up the dark stairs to the yeah. Hong Kong high-rise. Um, so I knocked on Yang's door and gave over the letter of introduction. Once it was read, I was admitted. The flat was small, as were many of those in the older buildings in Hong Kong then. To the right was the family's private living quarters, to the left, the school. A few steps from the door was a small waiting area with a few places to sit. From this vantage, several things could be seen in the apartment. You could observe Yang teaching in the next room, which seemed to be about 250 square feet. Towards the teaching room, above an opening in the wall, you could see pictures of Dong Yingjue and of Yang when he was younger. Dong was one of his father's main disciples who also taught in Hong Kong after the war and spread the teachings throughout Southeast Asia. To the left, next to the front door and against a solid wall, there were usually one or two groups that were practicing push hands. So that paints the picture of the school. It's like yeah. inside the family house. I love it. Yeah. You sort of like your house. Kind of like walk in, there's some random dudes pushing hands off to the side. And, right. You know, teacher's doing his thing, and, you know. Right. Then over there's like the, 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 the house. <laughs> <laughs> right. And there's your family stud doing their homework or whatever. Right, right, like, right. Yeah, it's like your place where your your practice space is right here in your house. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, that was always my inspiration I got from Frank of like if you have to walk more than like twenty steps to your to your job to your job, you're you know, working too hard. So <laughs> yeah, you got to come up the stairs to your place too. I like, like my commute, you know. So one more uh, little piece of the picture here that uh, is told in the book. Yang was a northern Chinese, solidly built, relatively tall, and long-limbed for most in Hong Kong, being approximately 5 foot 10 inches tall. He was a warm but very formal man, who stood extremely erect. Most of the time I saw him, he usually wore black pants, black gong fu shoes, and a loose-fitting shirt. The atmosphere of the front teaching room was businesslike, bare of furniture. When the teaching room ended, the balcony began. On those days that were hot and extremely humid in Hong Kong, any wind through the balcony window was a welcome relief. Yang taught most of his classes in Cantonese, but he was clearly more natural in his native language of Mandarin, which he spoke with a marked Beijing accent. Yang was pleased that I spoke Mandarin, and often gave me a little extra time, both because I had taken the effort to learn his language, and because of his innate sense of graciousness towards visitors from afar. Yang taught his classes as private lessons, which usually lasted 10 to 15 minutes, with one student, being, uh, with one student before another came into the room. So that's a little sense of what it was like to train in Hong Kong back in the 70s. Nice. So another thing that uh, he emphasizes here in the book is he talks about the type of things that Yang Xiaojong would teach in, when he was uh, doing his form and his push hands training. So he's the first uh, quality he calls up is clarity. There was never anything vague about the way he taught. He was extremely precise about how each of your body parts should be positioned. And he shaped them in each movement of the form. If you missed a detail, he would physically adjust your limbs to ensure that you understood what was expected and what was necessary to maintain quality control. Hmm. That's a, yeah. That type of teaching is the best type way to teach Chinese martial arts. I mean, it's really the only way. If you don't right? Have, I mean, if you don't have somebody putting their hands on you, correcting you, it's, it's almost it's impossible to 
really get what the thing is about. I mean, you can you can do the movements, but the but the actual yeah. like feeling of what's happening in something is much harder to get if you right. don't have the physical interaction with someone right. who can do it. You know, I mean, that's the that's the real advantage of doing push hands with someone who's better than you is not that you're just going to learn how to do, you know, technical stuff, but it's that you start feeling things mm -hmm. happening inside of their body. And then you're able to kind of replicate it, you know, after you get shoved a few times, right. it's like you sort of get a hint of it. Cause when you do something to them, things happen and you're like, Oh, that's different. You just got to feel the overall flow, you know, that, uh, and that's yeah. something about having someone just grab your arms and twist it into the right shape a few times. It's the most valuable thing. I mean, right. You I mean, know, like, you got to try to take advantage of that whenever you it's, can. It's way more valuable than somebody talking to you or telling right. you how to do it. It's like, if they just right. put you in the position. It's like, yeah, okay, I got it. You know, like some of the best, you know, corrections I ever got were just when, you know, you'd be holding a posture and, you know, some come over and just like twist your limb a little bit or like, pull your right. elbows out from your spine just some real lift your neck up you know yep. some little subtle thing but all of a sudden it's just like everything feels a little lighter or something you know right yeah and sometimes it's hard for people like it's you know the teacher can't do it if there's a big class and i mean it's it's one of the basically one of the flaws of chinese martial arts because it's hard to teach a big group when you've got to twist people into position just takes longer but well, right. I mean, that, that that's why, you know, classically, I think they would sort of have, you know, two levels, right? You got mm -hmm. the, the public class, which is just the sort of follow along, learn the movements, right. um, you know, do a little push hands, get shoved around a bit. Because that weeds out the people that are just there for, you know, the, the weekend yeah. warriors and the, the hobbyists. Yeah, right? they're working their way. They're warming up to it. They're not and quite then, fully invested yet. Then, you you know, the people that really are invested in it and want to stick around, you know, they kind of right. move up to a higher level where they're going, you know, in this case, like right. going to the teacher's house or something. Right. Instead. Those are the guys over there doing push hands in between lessons right. and just lurking yeah. around yeah. all the time. Yeah. They're doing, trying to do you know, more. They already know how to do it. They're just there for refinement as opposed to like a wanted, beginner class. They're just class, eager you know? to keep yeah. practicing. All right. So another thing that Yang Xiaojong emphasized was a clear 100% zero separation of weight. And that's a controversy in Tai Chi. Some schools maybe only shift 80% forward or whatever. And some, you know, everyone's sort yeah, of insistent on. Yeah, yeah, this is one of those things where... Um, there's different reasons for doing 100 zero versus 70 30 or 60 40 right so i think in some cases it's uh doing what's easiest for people i think in some cases it's doing it what's uh, matches the application that you like to do right i mean so mm -hmm. there's just kind of different yeah um, if you modify the 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 argue the argument that i've heard is that the 60-40 thing was more when people started doing push hands and less weapons and fighting stuff because in the weapons and the fighting stuff you really need to you know be able to move your feet right and and sure. if you're you know a spear is coming at you you got to step right. to the side you can't just you can't just like sort of roll your weight back right. it's, it's not enough right you have to actually get out of the way of something so 
Just like the Tai Chi Chen Jing starts out with Tai Chi's agile and light. There you go. All right. So, uh, and from there, he says that uh, the reason why they do it that way, that's the way my great grandfather taught the form. Fair enough. There you go. I mean, you can't argue with that. Right? right? There you go. There's zero. Why do you do it that way? Because that's the way I was taught how to do it. Well, it's great grandfather, but like all the way back. Okay. Then he also liked long stances and, and wanted younger students to go very low. Get real long, powerful stances. I mean, there's only one video of him that's uh, that's mm. available, and it's not good quality. But the one thing you can get from the guy is he's definitely doing pretty low stances, mm-hmm. pretty extended stances, mm-hmm. and strengthening the, the legs. The the incline of the spine is very pronounced, right? So he's doing what they sometimes refer to as the ox plow method of. So the final thing uh, he calls out here is he talks about uh, Yang Sha Jung liked extended movements where you're stretching away, and he said Master Yang would come and like grab your arm and, and lightly like lengthen it out at the hand or the arm or elbow or wherever. In that that process of drawing it out of your body that that we've worked on. Right. I mean, this is the. I think there's you know sort of two. We talked about folding a bunch, and I think in one of the last episodes where you have basically you have lengthening and you have folding right and if you think of a rope right you can stretch a rope just straight and you know and and get a get a like a a tautness in it right so it has no slack but it's not you know gonna snap or you can take that same rope and you could run it through a bunch of pulleys right and this idea that that you get you know, essentially the same amount of tension on both ends of the rope, but one is much further apart hmm. and one is closer together. Sure. But but the but the rope itself is equally stretched out. So hmm. in the small frame stuff, it's the pulley thing. You're stretching, but you're you're bending and and sort of winding it as you stretch it. As and in the larger frame stuff, it's a more at least from the outside, looks more linear and you're just sort of growing your body. And this is that thing that what he's talking about is mostly about lengthening your fascia. It's not actually your muscles, but there's a thing where when you release that thing very slowly, it, it gets into your fascia. And this is one of the main reasons why when you do Tai Chi slowly, the you know, that's why you're doing it slow is so you can actually let your body release into the technique rather than pulling on it, right? If you're just pulling on it and stretching it from the outside, there's your body's going to pull back, essentially. Mm. It's going to retract when mm. you stop doing it. But if you when go you, slower, might... Right, if you release that thing, the rope itself gets a little bit longer. It's going to snap back some but it's going to have a little bit more in it, you know, and then you can, you know, you, you have more to play with again, you know, so it's, it's this thing of like, you don't want to pull on it too much because it'll snap or it'll, right. you know, break, right? Yeah. And, and, but you need to pull on it enough that it does its thing. So it's really about getting your elbows away from your spine, not your hand. Mm-hmm. So again, in both, the small and the larger frames, your elbows are going to be doing that pulling. It's whether or not your forearm is going to be coming towards your body as you pull your elbow away, or it's going to be going forward with your elbow, right? 
but that initial kind of release and lengthening part it's what what starts to open your body up and i think that's what <clears throat> yang Xiaojiang was really um into it yeah and i love that idea of uh you know the teacher grabbing your arm and showing you how it could open more to release like that's a hallmark of Chinese martial arts where the teacher shapes you into being longer, lower, more extended, whatever, I mean, if making they it don't harder. do that, they don't like you. That's <laughs> right. kind of the way I see it. I mean, that's sort of like, if your teacher likes you, he'll come over and he'll put your hands on you and he'll lengthen you out. If he doesn't care, he'll just walk by and he'll say, usually good, be criticizing good you job. in the process. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, if they tell you you're doing it good, you got, you got to question yourself. You got problems at that point. <laughs> now back to the... Uh, Taiji Chuan Treatise or Taiji Chuan Lun. So we covered a few of the first and last time. So now we move on to uh, the next quote and Baiwa's explanation. When the body moves, it divides yin and yang. Movement is yang and stillness, yin. So he translate he, he describes it as thus. So all tangible objects are composed of the basic elements of matter gathered by energy. If the energy is relatively large, the composition of the basic elements will be relatively dense to form a relatively stable static state. This phenomenon is called fusion. And going beyond that, he says, if energy is lost, the collective composition of the basic elements will relatively dissipate and form a relatively unstable dynamic. This phenomenon is called decomposition. So again, he's describing one thing coming together, fusion, and right. then the phenomenon of decomposition coming apart just to keep it sort of in, in the realm of Tai Chi, right? That, that idea that when you're, you know, when you go from nothing to something, right? So you're standing there and you're not doing anything, Wooji with, right? The first thing you have to do is separate the top and bottom, right? So you have to go from zero to, to, you know, zero and one, right? And that's that first, the, what they sometimes refer to as the commencement, right? Cause it has, you start going, you know, um, up, down, forward, back, right? So you get the first two sets of yin and yang, right? And then you get into, now you're doing, you've done yin and yang. Now you really get into, quote unquote, tai chi, where the yin and yang starts to combine into different things, right? So those first four movements of the form are the single, you know, like, and one energy one movement right so you so the next section he brings it down to actual you know activity here in the regular world so he says action and strength must not be overdone or insufficient you should stick and follow the opponent take his flexion and extension as my flexion and extension so that's that idea of kind of borrowing from your opponent so he describes it thus Although Tai Chi has several styles, it doesn't matter whether you do the long or the short form. It doesn't matter, you know, what exact shape it follows. Um, and you don't need to worry about, uh, about like predicting what's going to happen. He says the focus is on the actual distance with the opponent. Empty yourself and then stick and follow the opponent. So that's how you fulfill this thing about, uh, you know, not being overdone or insufficient. You've got to empty yourself and stick and follow the opponent. You become balanced and make it difficult for the opponent to exert force. So that's this core dynamic of Tai Chi is that you balance yourself in order to make it difficult for the other person to, to put their force onto you. 
Right. So the stick and follow thing, that's like a, um, that's a common phrase, right? The idea that you touch somebody and, um, you, the, the, the way Bruce describes it is it's, it's boodoo booting, right? Don't push, don't pull. It can be seen from this point that speed and force are not the decisive factors in the application of Taiji Chen. Right. That's his final point. That's, and that's the reason, you know, what, yeah. You're not trying to rely on your um, hand-eye coordination and your speed. It's you're something else, right? You've got this, this stickiness and this, you know, this other stuff that allows you to sense what's happening on a deeper, more subtle level. And If the opponent hits with hard strength and I entice it with soft strength, this is called escaping. If I follow the trend and secretly force the opponent into adversity, this is called stickiness. So, uh, Baihua begins to describe it like this. In Taiji Chuan, escaping is doing uh, the energy of Lu. Lu is escaping. But it is by no means passive letting, fleeing, and so-called avoiding conflicts and then running away. So they're saying Lu is rollback, but it's not running away. The, right. the requirement to escape is to actively walk toward the opponent. But since the opponent is relatively rigid and I can't lean on him, I can approach with soft bending. This is the process of my compliance with the opponent's hard, my compliance soft with the opponent's back hard, which is called stickiness. Right. So that's what I was just talking about um, with the the soft bending, right? Mm. The, the idea that I don't match his force with force. I match, you know, I, I bend, I, I fold, right? And that's how you stick to the person by absorbing inward a little. Yeah. And the, the, reverse of that is when they pull away you you know you don't just like leave your hand where it is or push fast forward you follow them in it's kind of like it's like when a boxer throws a punch and and someone kind of like when they pull their hand back the other person just follows that hand in for with the jab it's like you kind of use their hand coming back to guide yours going forward right so that's how you entice with soft strength <laughs> Right, you're, you're, and then you follow them back and force them. You're making them think that you don't have any strength, so they like, they push on your arm. Your arm gives, right? So they think, oh, I got them. And then when they come with that second one and really go for it, you know, you're 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 ready for it, and you pull them off balance right. or whatever. So it's know. not just escaping. You're you're actively uh, yeah. looing. So the method of escaping is to stick to him and then do loo. The balance produced by flexion and extension is naturally formed. So like you said, you shove, you, you roll back, you've created this harmony here. This is, so called, this is the, all, the so-called harmony of yin and yang. The opponent takes a hard approach and I merge with softness. The opponent takes a soft approach, I merge with hard. So that's a nice little uh, mention right. there that so doesn't always get uh, noticed. Yeah, well, that's the, the the flip side of it, right? Like you don't you aren't just doing the soft thing; you're doing both, right? Like, so if they if they try to fall back, you bundle Choi and run up on them and run up parry and punch, and you chase them down. Yeah, I mean, where where you see this a lot, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's a really good example is, you know, they're pulling back, so you kind of do this Roll step forward, parry and punch thing. Um, but but it's it's also just, um, it's a mental thing, too, because it's like you can be physically moving backwards and have your mind going into somebody, 
right? This is something that Shingy does a lot where you're, you're going backwards, but you're not retreating, mm. right? You're, you're creating space, you know, for the person to fall into, but you're not running away from them. Right. And so this isn't when they push on you, you just let your arm collapse against your chest and hope that your back and your legs can stop the push. Cause that doesn't help you if that is a knife or, you know, something right. Like you need to be able to not just stop the thing and redirect it, but also get your body out of the way. Right. So mm. this, this idea of like escaping, isn't just moving your arm, right. And not mm. getting you your arm get shoved away. <laughs> yeah. It's like really being able to actually escape the person's force. Right. So. And that's why in push hands you do exercise where you freeze somebody in a spot and then they have to figure out where they can shift to kind of deflect your force. And you can spend time figuring out those angles and those escape routes. The final thing he tackles is the concept of taking your opponent's flexion and extension as your own flexion and extension. So he says, only with flexion can I approach my opponent and I stretch and apply gene to the opponent. Right. If so, if 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 escaping is your defense defensive movement, the stickingness is your offensive movement. Right. This is that after you um, avoid the person's force. Right. You follow them back. You, know, you and extend and, and, and flex. Right. And smack them in the face. Right. And so, then apply gene to the right. opponent nearby. So, how that thing comes out, right, fill in the gap. You can use any Tai Chi right. technique to do that. But essentially the, you know, the process of, you know, you got to avoid the, the, the way Bruce would always describe this is like a bullfighter, right? The first thing the bullfighter has to do is not get hit by the bull, right? Because if you get hit by the bull, it doesn't matter the what techniques happens. techniques aren't going to work. Nothing, nothing matters after that, right? So it's like... After you get out of the way, then you can apply your, you know, your technique. Reflection but it's like, in these yeah, if you don't have that first one, the second one, and, and we're the shit. He's saying, like, what, when you stretch, you have to keep your head up, relax your neck, right? You know. Okay, so that's what he's saying. Okay, I think you're right. So what he's saying here is that when you're going to apply this uh, stickiness and force gene on somebody else, you've got to erect your head and relax your neck. You've got to have connection through all the links of the body. That's that connectedness. And then stickiness, compliance with the opponent. And then the final principle he mentions is following. That is to empty oneself and follow others. It's controlling the person's spine, essentially, right? Mm. So the stickiness is when I push on you and I can, I can get it so that when I push on your arm, your your spine moves a little bit, right? Well, with stickiness before he was talking about compliance, you know, the, the riding of the person was the stickiness. He was well, it's the same about, thing. I mean, right? stickiness I mean, going in, though, is is you move when I move, when I move forward. I so can that, stick to you offensively. Yeah, that there's, a, I mean, one, one of the things I, I do with people is I just show them how, like, the fascia on your forearm kind of wiggles up and down. It goes about an inch if you just grab it and squeeze it and it'll slide if you just can like connect to someone's fascia you can push that up into their body because that thing locks and it's like rather than trying to lock a joint or whatever you just lock the fascia in their body and you can because they can't um release the the tissue the joint is kind of stuck in place and that's 
what this is talking about. Your your stretching out is Bunching causing them. them yeah, it's causing them to kind of constrict and bunch up. And if they're able to, you know, kind of unfold internally, they can get out of it. Right. And this is that that where it just flips back around. And right. It's, you know, spy so versus for push hands practice. Right. Well, that's I mean that's why push hands is the thing because it's that sort of spy versus spy versus spy. Right. Where you know one side attacks and the other guy sneakily defends and then he sneakily attacks and you know so there's right. all this back and forth and you're trying to outsmart the other guy the whole time and you know. Yeah, that makes sense. And he ends it with following. Empty yourself and follow the other. Which is a key Tai Chi principle there, along with all the others. Well, that's right. You that's completely the, just empty yourself and let yeah, let their actions determine your reaction. Pretty you much. get you give up your agenda, mm-hmm. right? Is this the way Bruce would mm-hmm. talk about sure. that? That like once you get that opening and you're you know you've got you've got them off balance by connecting their spine. You you know you you overextended them or crushed them down, so they're sort of wobbly. Now you have to be able to. You know, take advantage of that opening without you know losing your opportunity. So this is like we talk about gaps a lot. Mm. You know, you've made the you've made the opening, the gap in the other person, but you don't want a gap and miss it, or mm. you know the opportunity is blown. So it's right. like your ability to like you know continue what you're doing is really the whole thing. Otherwise, it's kind of like you you know you blew it. You blew your you know. You had the opportunity right. and it's gone. And now right. you gotta, so it can be on you know, either side. Now you got to start all over again and do the whole, you know, the whole thing over and to entice know, them with soft strength yeah. and then tr- follow and secretly force them into adversity. And you know, this is the thing with push hands is basically that's what you're doing is it's like you, you're, you're going to constantly fuck up, reset, maybe get them, maybe not reset. They push on you. You maybe get out of the way, maybe not. Right, and it's, and it's just constantly having to address that thing of like, well, what I did either worked, mm. and I have to change from that, or it didn't work, and I got to change from that. Like those are your only two options. Right, right? it's like, so keeps hey. the ball rolling. Sun just came out in San Francisco. All right, <laughs> all right, talk, let's do it again. All right, man. Talk soon. Hey folks, uh, thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed the episode there. Uh, just a reminder, uh, for the extended episode and bonus episodes, go to our Patreon. Uh, $5 a month gets you the basic level, which gives you the current stuff. And for $10 a month, you get the entire archive and all the interviews and everything else. All right, uh, don't forget to check out the Instagram for images to go along with the episodes. And take care of yourselves. Be well.